has this amazing plan for your life hidden inside of himself and then placed inside of you in a seed form. So when I'm looking across the room, I'm not just looking at the fathers who have children. I'm looking at the seed of fathers, right? I'm looking at the seed of fathers and uh, I, I, I want something for them because uh, most of the time we, we, you know, we try to go with the OJT, you know, OJT is on the job training, like, you know, but that's really not the best way. The best way is to get prepared before you get there and then work on into the thing you've been preparing for. And so those of you that are joining us, I'm certain you'll be blessed um, as we talk to you both about the Father's Ministry of Intercession. We're going to give you a great example of that. And then we're going to challenge each one of us to also pray for those, uh, pray for fathers. You know, fatherhood is such a serious responsibility that it needs prayer, right? Um, I'm already, I don't know who he is, but I'm praying for the father of my grandchildren. I'm praying now. I'm praying now. Yes, I am. In Jesus' name. I'm putting a prayer on it. You know, I know Tasha says she want to put a praise on it, but I'm putting a prayer on it. I want prayer to get there before he get there. Okay. And so I want you to understand that intercession is that kind of thing. And, and so we, we're going to talk to you. And I'm, I'm going to challenge all of my men and even my young men who don't have children and family. Listen, and you ain't in no rush, just so we clear about that thing. Don't rush. It'll get here soon enough. But I want your prayer to go out in front of you. That's my point. Right? Don't wait till you get in and to start praying about it. Right? The scripture describes the fact that um, Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Anybody know I'm in the Bible? Hebrews chapter About 10, I think, is the the chapter, and some of it's in 7. And it talks about this interaction between Abraham and Melchizedek. And then it said, Levi, who was Abraham's great-grandson, also gave tithes because he was in the loins of Abraham, his father, when the father gave tithe. So what it says is, even the young men that are here are carrying around their nation with them. Yeah. So they need to be praying now. That's all I'm saying. Like, listen, don't wait till you get into it. Right? Don't wait till you have grandchildren to pray for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pray for them now. You get that? Does that make sense? All right. Because we're talking about prayer that reaches out and is able to reach out. Listen, I'm praying for stuff while I'm in this body that's going to be here when I've left this body, right? So that's what we're thinking about when we're talking about our prayer. Okay, engaging increase through intercessory prayer. Objectives, number one, to illuminate the authority of the believer and the power of partnership with the Heavenly Father through prayer. And so I'm going to talk about the authority of the Father when a father prays and how God responds to it. And then I'm also going to talk to you about honoring Fathers that are and fathers that are to be through praying and partnering with the Heavenly Father to move on their lives. Amen? Number two, to identify ranks, regions, realms, and regiments of prayer that bring God's will to pass in the earth. And then I am really want to challenge my fathers. I'm going to challenge you to pray. I'm going to challenge you, you know, to understand that you have a rank in heaven. Heaven stops by to hear you talk about your children. Heaven stops. Pastor David, I don't know all that deep prayer stuff that you know. I know that's why I have mental destiny prayer, so you can come and learn all that deep stuff, prayer stuff I know. I'm helping. I I got help for you. I got help for you. Okay. Um... 
however you know how to do it, you need to do it. Because nobody can fill your role in prayer. Okay? And so I would rather... I'd rather uh, you, you start praying now with what you know versus waiting until you get more knowledge and then figuring out later that you need to pray. I'd rather you learn how to do what you can do right now and then flow with it on the way because God needs your prayer life right now. It, the situations that your family face can't wait for you to get all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Because you have an authority. And if that authority isn't leveraged, then Satan just runs all over and does things that he shouldn't be able to do if you stood up and just spent time with God, calling on his name on behalf of your children, your grandchildren, and all the seed that will come from you. All right? Three, to invoke the wisdom, willingness, and work ethic to prevail in warfare prayer that overcomes darkness with the kingdom of light, and then to invite Destiny Generation Church into the birthing position as we intercede for God to move on our region with revival. And I'm believing for a revival in men praying. And that includes me. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I'm used to be. But I still see more need for God to do something, I still see more need to strengthen myself, not just as a natural father, but I even see need to strengthen myself as a spiritual father, to be able to birth into people's lives the DNA that God has given me spiritually, right? And so prayer is a key part of that. All right. Key scriptures today, um, three, three scriptures. One is our common verse for, for this series, Ezekiel twenty two thirty. So I saw for a man among them who would make a wall and then stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Now, that, that really does speak to fathers, doesn't it? Fathers are a man among them, them being his family. So God is looking for a father who will stand before God and pray for his family. God, I'm here. I'm, when I'm standing here, I'm before you on behalf of my family. I'm not Pastor David. I'm just David. God, you see my wife. See the challenges that she faces at work. You see the situations. You see her hopes, her dreams, her hurts, her aspirations. I'm asking you to move on her behalf in Jesus' name. I'm teaching y'all how to pray. This is prayer now. I just, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lord. You know that confession that I make when I close out a service and I go through all of them scriptures and I do that real fast? You know, I developed that praying for my daughter. I found scriptures that put God in every direction. And then I start to say, okay, I want her in a bubble of God. So I begin to declare that his righteousness goes before her. All right? He's in front. The glory of the Lord is her rear guard. The angels encamp round about her. The blood of Jesus Christ covers her. The arm of God is upon her. Favor surrounds her with the shield. She dwells in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under, under the shadow of the Almighty, and then underneath are the everlasting arms. She hears a voice behind her saying, this is the way we're walking. It's surely goodness and mercy follows her, and the blessings of God overtake her all the days of her life. Her enemies come out against her one way and flee in all seven directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't just something I'm saying. I, I was confessing that. That was just me praying over my daughter with some scripture. 
because I understand my assignment. I understand that my prayer matters. Well, Pastor Dave, I don't know how to do all of that. Okay, get your phone out. You heard me say it. All right, say that. That's good. Pastor David, I've already approved that message. I already done done the rest, the, the, the research. That's a good prayer right there. I just want you to understand that there is authority that you have when you pray. All right. And um, sometimes, ladies, um, you have to continue to intercede while your man is still kind of in the growing stages to his destiny in Jesus' name. So your intercessory prayer for your husband, for your brothers, for your sons, is really important too. Scripture says women receive their dead raised to life again. They prayed. Their prayer life caused God to move on behalf of their family. All right. All right. Now, we're going to have uh, um, some scriptures here. I got a lot of scripture, but really just a few key points that I want to share with you. But it's talking about Abraham as a father and the criticality of him as a father. And I want, you, I want to specifically, as we just understand how he heard God, believed what he heard, and then acted on what he believed. He heard God. He believed what he heard. He acted on what he believed. And the fact that it was in his prayer time that God gave him all of these promises. He, he was in time when... It was him and God talking about his family. And that there were things in specific situations where God would change the destiny of his children and his children's children because of specific things that Abraham prayed. See, I don't want you to think your prayer life don't matter. Oh, Pastor David, because, you know, he's God's man of faith and power. I mean, when he prays, stuff happens. But what can what God do? No, God going to do something when you pray. Because God respects your authority as a father. And um, he respects your authority when you pray for the men whether fully matured or men in training that are in your life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who this young man that's coming to sweep my daughter off, my feet, but, off her feet, but I'm praying for him. I'm praying. Like, like I sow my seed into my nephews, asking God to, to allow me to reap that harvest in a son-in-law. I'm just telling you, this is just, I just want you to know how I think. Whatsoever good any man does, the same shall that man receive of the Lord. So, yeah, yeah. Man, I sow good seed into my nephews. I do everything I can to help them because I'm believing that somewhere, somewhere out there there's a man working with my son-in-law because I can't help him yet. So until I can get there, I'm praying that I'm sowing this seed here and reaping a harvest over there. Now, you can do what you want to, but I just told you there's some scripture on that. All right? So I just want us to begin to think about prayer and see how Abraham did it. Let's look at Romans chapter 4. We're going to take certain snippets of Scripture out of here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, then I'm going to go 11 through 13, and then I'm going to go 16 through 22. Romans chapter 4. And you should take the time. I'm, I'm picking out snippets of it, but any study a fatherhood from a scriptural perspective should include Abraham. It is because of his fatherhood that we got into faith. 
If you be in Christ, Galatians tells us, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise to bless him and multiply him. The promise that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So those are things that I can ask for my family. God, I'm asking you, because I'm the seed of Abraham, to bless me like you blessed him. Prosper my children like you prospered him. You rebuke kings. Protect my seed like you protected him. Right? These are things that I stand for and believe. Okay, Romans 4, 1 through 3. What shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham heard God speak, believed what God said. God said, I'm going to take the fact that you believe me as me having right standing, you having right standing with me. All right? Verse 11. And he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the right standing, righteousness of faith, which he had still, while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. That's where we get in. Abraham is our father too. All right? My natural daddy didn't do much. Okay, you got a spiritual daddy that did. Right? hate it when I listen to 50-year-old men talk about their dads and what they didn't do. Bruh, grow up. It's time for you to be the father. Right? You need to go on out and get you some good examples. Your pastor is signing up to be one. Not perfect. Good, though. All right? And then walk out the examples that you have. Come on. There were some examples. There is another line that you got into when you became a part of the family of God. When my father went to heaven, my spiritual fathers helped me. All right? They helped me. Some of them were just examples. Some of them, some of them took me out just to get white shirts and know how to dress. And some of them took me to, to go get a car and do all these other things. But they helped me. And so receive the help that you need to, to do the assignment that God gave you, all right? That he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Okay, so righteousness comes to us because just like we get in on Abraham's righteousness, right standing as we believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had. So Abraham believed, heard God, believed what he heard, and then took steps in line with what he believed. Now what that just said? He took steps of faith while he was still uncircumcised for the promise that he should be he would be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. God made the system simple so that everybody could get in on it. He made it a system that the only thing you need to do to walk in the system is just believe him. So that his grace or his favor could get out to everybody. If he made it too hard, only certain people would be able to live up to it. But he made it so he made it easy enough for us, everybody to get on on it, in on it by making it a system where all you have to do is believe it in order to receive it. All right. So he made it a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That's all of us, not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So this is Abraham, God putting Abraham's blessing upon us, right? We're not the natural seed of Abraham, most of us. I don't necessarily see anybody Jewish in here by birth in Jesus' name, but we are his spiritual seed, all right? Verse 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him in whom he believed, God, who gives life to the 
to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was about 90. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform, therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right. So I want you to begin to think about things that you are believing God to do. And I want you to stretch with audacity for your seed, for your children, for your children's children. Ask God to do the amazing thing for them. Stuff you can't believe and receive and don't know how it could happen. Ask him to do it anyway. And then believe it. And when stuff comes up contrary to that, still believe it anyway. When all hope was gone, he still hoped. Still, when situations and circumstances came to the contrary, he still believed. He considered not those things, but considered God. And then he praised God like it was already done. He gave glory to God, believing that what God had promised, God was able to perform. And God said, because he was able to do that, this guy is right with me. You all right with me, Abe. Yeah, right? All right. Now, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 is our last key scripture today. Um. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Listen, you can't be the head of your house if you can't get orders from headquarters. I'm the head of this house. Bruh, bruh, bruh. I wear the pants in this family. Well, the ladies wear pants too today. But but what makes you in charge is because you can hear from a higher authority and know what he's saying. So you got to spend time in prayer. Listen, there's a lot of people that can say a lot of stuff in this church. But I got to be able to hear from heaven. And tell you what thus says the Lord. I love the way Joshua said it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You choose what you're going to do. But as for me and my house, right? Now, I love that kind of talk. Yeah, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay? So, um, I've given you some definitions about prayer and intercession, and I'm going to give you some definitions about fatherhood. Prayer, the short definition of prayer is petitioning royal access, yielding effective results. And we talked about an intercessor being one who goes to God on behalf of another, fueled with the compassion of Jesus, or one who confronts demonic encroachments on behalf of another. So intercession, both, both, uh, appeals to God, and then it also interrupts the devil. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Take your hands off my seed. No, you may not. Satan goes about, Scripture says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I just tell him, you, when I was a kid, we used to play Mother May I. I just tell him at the Johnson household, no, you may not. He's seeking whom he may devour. And I tell him at the Johnson household, in Jesus' name, not in my own authority, but in Jesus' name, no, you may not. Okay? All right. Now let's talk about um, fatherhood. Fatherhood is a kingdom office. I am ordained.
ordained to be a pastor. It's an, it's an office that exists by itself that I step into. Okay. The office exists independent of the person. Okay. George H.W. Bush became president. It was an office. He stepped out of the office. We still call him Mr. President, but he's not in the office. George H. George W. Bush stepped into the same office. It's an office, right? So fatherhood, just like I was ordained to be a pastor, I am ordained to be a father. God considers that an office of authority. In the spirit, if you could see me, I have a badge on. So you have to understand that there is authority. So I imagine myself in my sanctified imagination. When I pray, I take on the authority of Father. And then I go to the Heavenly Father to get resources that the earthly father can't manifest on his own. I wanted my child to really stretch her faith out. And, and not believe that God was hard to get from because her dad was hard to get from. You know, because we think about our heavenly father like we think about our earthly father. And, you know, if he all mean, we think God's all mean. If he's stingy, we think God's stingy. So I had to teach her, and I had to, yeah, because you, your first thing, Ty, you can't have that. You don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Did we just read that? So I used to make this confession. It was just my confession. I wasn't trying to be God, but I said, I'm Elsha dad. Yeah. That God finds a way and he'll get to me whatever she needs for her destiny. Whatever she needs for destiny. Dad, we don't have enough. Say, Baby, don't say that. Say we between seed time and harvest. It's all in how you say it. It's all in how you say it. It's all in how you say it. We're just between seed time and harvest, okay? We got seed in the ground. Harvest ain't made it here yet. We just, we just in the meantime, in between time. But it's on the way in Jesus' name, okay? And so we want to make sure we understand that this is an office, that, that there is an office that you step into father, fatherhood, and you are an officer. If you are an officer, that means you have authority. That means there are things that you can do because of the office that you walk in and that heaven will back that office up when it stands up to do the job. And so that's why you don't wait till you get children to pray for children. Yeah. If a young man walked out of here praying for his children and grandchildren, I will feel that I have been successful today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that ain't even thinking about nobody. No, no. You, I ain't asking you to think about nobody. I'm just telling you to pray for somebody. I ain't telling you this. You got to start thinking about them right now. Just start praying for them right now. Yeah. Right? It's a kingdom office, an officer whereby men of God receive God's nature as heavenly father imparted to them. The nature, God calls himself father. So he gives you a part of himself to help some young person come up through your family. See, that's the way I think about ministry. 
Jesus ascended upon high and gave the gift called pastor. He's the good shepherd. He just gives a piece of his grace to me so that I can shepherd this congregation. Right? God, the Father, is Heavenly Father. He just gives a piece of his grace to me so that I could be a father to my daughter. That's why I want you to think about it. That means that you don't have to have it all in yourself. If you believe it and receive it, God will come on you to help them children. You just got to know that he will come on you to do what they need, even if it's beyond what you are able to do in your own strength. Because, listen, you can't do a spiritual thing with natural strength anyway. Right? God's nature is heavenly father imparted to them to both initiate life, right? We had fathers after our flesh. God enabled that father to initiate life, but he became, he still remains the father of the spirit, right? To initiate life, to exemplify life. A father is supposed to be an example. We walk in the steps of faith that our father Abraham walked in. There are certain things I do because I saw my father do it. I remember my dad going to work. I remember him. I can see it today. I can see it today. I can see his fat bow tie, black, white shirt, jacket, his black briefcase. I can see all of us piling in. Mom driving him down the AC. The building's not there, but the memory still is. Him kissing her, getting out the car, her coming around to the driver's seat, and us driving off. Yep, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yes, I can. He was an example. So part of your fatherhood is the example that you're leaving for those that follow you. So, a father initiates life, exemplifies life, and expands kingdom life to future generations by providing for, protecting, and projecting godly seed through destiny maturity. All right? So, I don't just have children and then just leave them for the system to take care of. Don't be mad at me. It's not the system's job. Now, I know all kinds of stuff happening. I'm just telling you. From God's perspective, you're responsible. Even when they're not in your house. Even when they're not under your roof. Some of us, how we've handled that responsibility is so far, the best thing we can do for them right now is to pray for them. But if there's nothing else I can do, I should be doing that. And then this last part says, recover them in times of crisis, challenge, and critical change. So even if I have what the Bible would call a prodigal son, I'm still standing at the door watching for them to come home. I'm still praying, and I'm still helping them to get back on their journey. I can't absolve them from the consequences of their own decisions. I can't do that. Can't, can't do that. The father didn't do that to the prodigal son, right? He lost all of his goods, and then he told the other brother, everything else I got belongs to you. Isn't that what he said? Okay, so he said the younger brother wasted all his stuff, but he can come home. I'm going to put a robe on him. That means he can carry the family name because we have a robe of righteousness. I'm going to put shoes on him. That means he can get back on the destiny path. I'm going to put a ring on his finger. The ring was a signet ring, which means it had the family stamp on it, which means he could, he could do new business in the family's name with the family's backing to build him an inheritance for the one he squandered. Yeah. 
they recovered him. Now, on Tuesday night, I've been talking about dynamics of, fam of destiny relationships, and one of the things I'm challenging people is people think every child should get the same amount of inheritance. There's no place in the Bible that says that. Stop that. Like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Everybody gets a car. It's not like that. That's not biblical. You don't give kids stuff that you know going to waste it, and they show you they're going to waste it before you die. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Because, listen, everybody that get to heaven, everybody's reward is going to be different. Now, a bad day in heaven is <laughs> better than a good day in hell. So, so I'm mad at nobody. Listen, if you just got in by your chinny-chin chair, you're going to thank God anyway throughout all eternity. You understand what I'm saying? But the person who has been given their whole life to them, is if all you did was like the thief on the cross, I'm going to have more reward than him. I'm just telling you. Don't be mad. That's why I work as hard as I do doing this stuff, because I want to hear him say, well done. Here's the reward I got for you, Pastor David Earl Johnson. All right? So everybody's thing is different. Now, the thing that you want to do is, the person who keeps who you entrust this stuff to has to have a heart for the other ones so that when you gone, they won't be stingy on them when they need a hand hand up. So if you the one that gets the stuff, nah, you ain't ready for it today, but I will help you, you know, get that car you need so you can do that job. I ain't giving you all that other stuff you want. You're going to blow it. But I'll I help you buy that car. Mom and dad set this aside for you, but he told me not to give it to you until you get something specific because you can't handle general money. It'll be blow money. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor David. Yeah, I'm preaching real good. Don't get it twisted. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. So... So we have to be people that have a plan even beyond our lifetime and somebody that we can entrust. There are people that I feel obligated to because of what, even though their fathers are in heaven. What I'm going to do about this. I'm praying for Mother Cummings' family. How does she pray? Child, please. She's around the throne. I'm the one still in the physical body. I'm the one that still needs to be praying. You understand what I'm saying? See, I want us to begin to think larger, all right? All right. Acrostic definition of father is a faithful author, author one who, who initiates something new, teacher, healer, exhorter, and revealer. Yeah. You're all of those things. I don't seem like I am. Well, you are. Like Abraham, you got to call those things that be not as though they were and then act like they already exist. You are. You're faithful. You have authored a life. Even if it's a life that somebody has, you have taken it and then authored in that person who already exists a new life for them. You teach them what you know. I keep thinking to myself, I'm going to take uh, Ruby by uh, Deacon Clarence's shop so he can have her change the tire and do stuff that her dad can't really get her all that good in. I'm just saying. She needs stuff. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like the stuff that her dad got, she got. But there's more that she needs to learn besides what her dad done taught her. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just responsible to make sure she get it. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, listen. My ego, it, I ain't got to have it all. I just got to make sure she get it all. 
faithful author, teacher, teacher. A father is meant to be a healer, not a terror downer, not a demoralizer. Sometimes we try to beat out of our kids things that we hate and can't get out of ourselves. We fussing at them because we see us in them. Don't shine me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> yeah. So we try to get out of them stuff that we can't seem to get out of ourselves. All right. But let's, let's not put on them a burden that we couldn't bear ourselves. Johnny. Johnny, Jackie, you can be anything, but dad, you ain't been nothing. Don't put a burden on them. Don't put a burden on them that we couldn't carry ourselves. Put them under all kinds of stress. We got to be healers, right? Exhorters and revealers. All right. Honor is to ascribe value, worth, and weight to a person or a thing to the point that it impacts your thoughts, attitudes, behaviors, priorities, and patterns for living. Right? Honor starts in the heart but affects every part. Now, we're going to talk about, um, about uh, key, key things about honor here that uh, I want you to understand. So I have a key statement here. We want to honor fathers by both praying from their position of authority and praying for their position of authority. Right? So if I'm a father, I'm going to pray from my position of authority on behalf of my, my wife and my children and my extended generations. Okay. I'm going to pray from a position of authority, believing that God honors that authority that I pray, okay? And then, and then, uh, I'm going to honor the position of father that's in my family or in my community, and then I'm going to pray for their position of authority. I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm going to pray for my dad. I'm going to pray for my sons. I'm going to pray for my brothers. God, help them to be good fathers. The world is fighting against them. So I'm going to pray for them. Amen? All right. So, um, you know, now listen, dads and dads-to-be, Often we want people to respect us for something that we don't even respect ourselves for. I mean, they do a bunch of stuff on Mother's Day, but that Father's Day, it's all like, want, want. <laughs> hi, mom. They get on TV, all the athletes. They never say hi, dad. They always say hi, mom. And I ain't mad at you for saying hi, mom, but just seem like they always mom just gets all of the credit. You know, the last good day for dad was dada, dada, dada. He seemed to say dada first. But after that, it seemed like mom get all the credit after that. I don't, I don't know. I ain't mad at nobody. It just, it just seems that way. <laughs> but listen, 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 dads. If nobody respects you as father, you respect you as father. You will teach the world to respect you as father when you respect yourself as a father. If you stand up in the authority that you have as father, then God, your heavenly father, Jesus, the everlasting father, and the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of the father, will stand up with you. One of the indictments on, on our current president is he doesn't respect the dignity of the office. Have you ever heard? 
what I want you to understand is I want you to respect the dignity of the office that you have. I am father. And you respect that by how you regard those under the, that authority. You respect that authority by how you treat your wife, how you talk to your children. By going back and saying, I'm sorry when you missed it. Don't act like you got it all right. You didn't. I missed it. I need to apologize. Yes, you need to say it. Apologize. Come on, say it. Say it with me. Apologize. You need to apologize to your children. I know it was hard. That's why I had you say it. I wanted to make sure those words could come out your lips. You need to apologize to your children. I got that wrong. I was too hard. I was too harsh. Don't just go on like they supposed to take it. I'm daddy. Stop that. Stop that. Apologize. You missed it. You was a little too harsh. You spoke too soon. You say it. I didn't do right. Because you undermine your own authority when you don't regard the dignity of the office that you walk in. You undermine your own authority. So the next time they, you say something, they have already turned you off in the head. Just He going to whine for a minute, but then he going to go away. All right, Nehemiah 4.14 is one of the scriptures that I want you to take from your prayer time, men. This is one of the scriptures that, that I've used extensively as a basis for prayer and intercession when I, when I was fighting through situations, believing for God to move on the life of my daughter, all right? Nehemiah said, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brother and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Remember God. And then get in there and fight through situations in prayer. How many times you got to do it? Until. Like sometimes they groan and you can't fix their situations. You can't make grown people do what grown people don't want to do. But you can always fight in prayer. You can always go over their head. You can, yeah. I'm going over your head. I'm going over your head. I know. I know you think you got all of this. I know you you got all of that. And but I'm going over your head. I'm gonna talk to somebody else about you. Yeah, I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting for this thing to turn around. All right. Okay. Three keys of fatherly intercession from the life of Abraham. Three keys of fatherly intercession. Number one, Abraham filled the role of visionary leader, cultivating teacher, providing protector. And this last one is the one that I want you to get to. He filled the role of prophetic intercessor. Abraham was a prophetic intercessor. The prophetic part means that he heard what God was saying. A prophet isn't established by what they say first. Prophet isn't established by what you say. Prophets are established by what you hear. If you can't hear God, then you can't speak for him. So Abraham 
heard God talk to him about his future generations. And then not only did he hear God, but he talked to God in ways that influenced and moved God. Show me that in scripture. Okay, all right. Genesis 18, 17 through 19. I got a couple scriptures here. I want to get you through this, so I'm going to speed up a little bit. Thank you for your patience. I just, fatherhood is so important. I, I don't want, dads get shortchanged a lot of places. They ain't getting shortchanged in church. I don't care what nobody say. <laughs> Genesis 18, 17 through 19. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation and all, and all na the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. All right. So Abraham, God said, I know this man that he's going to teach and train his children to follow God. And so I have made big promises to him because he'll do the small thing with excellence. Because he'll take care of his house with excellence, I can turn his house into a nation. Not only would God turn his house into a nation, he had authority in that whole region. God said, I can't even do something in this region without coming and talking to my man that's down there. I got to give my man inside information. And then Abraham said, uh-oh, where he going? I got a knucklehead nephew down there in trouble. And then he started praying for that place because of his knucklehead nephew. Well, how do you know he prayed for that place of his knucklehead nephew? Okay, let me answer that. Look at Genesis 19, 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent his knucklehead nephew Lot, knucklehead nephew, that's the King David version, out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. God remembered Abraham's intercession and got his nephew out of trouble. Do you see that? Now, it wasn't, it was his nephew, wasn't even his natural son. But he got him out of trouble because Abraham prayed. See that? Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to read 18 through 21. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I heard what you said about him. God did something for Ishmael because Abraham prayed about it. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly and he shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. That's why every children don't get every, all the same thing. Stop that. Someone's going to blow your money. You ain't going to even, the worms ain't going to be able to eat you before you're, before you're the stuff you done gave out be gone. I'm just saying. I know people, you, you the black sheep, I'm the black sheep of the family. Stop all of that stuff. Stop it. Just stop, stop all that whining. You know you're going to blow it. All right. Number two, Abraham spent time with God, heard God speak to him about his generations, believed God, and moved in line with what God told him. And that's the basics of faith. Hearing God, 
believing what he says and then taking steps in line with what you believe who follow those steps of faith of our father Abraham, all right? All right, so Genesis 13, excuse me, Genesis 15, verse 3 through 6. And then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him from righteousness. All right. So. Um, I don't know if I'm good at praying for my children like that. Well, take Abraham's prayer. God, I'm Abraham's seed. I'm asking you to bless my children like you bless Abraham's seed. You said through him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm one of those families in the earth. I'm asking that blessing to come on my household and on my children in Jesus' name. And say that over and over again until you get more information. God promised that blessing on him, and that promise is sure to all of the seed. That's you and me. That promise to bless can come on your house. But you got to believe that, hear it, believe it, ask for it, and act on it. Lord, I can't, I can't go with Ruby everywhere but I know you got her when I don't. You rebuke kings for their sake. I feel some kind of way. You know, she started telling me, okay, you know, we got this housing and all this. See, I do this all the time. I try not to do it. Ruby, I try not to do it. I try not to do it. She said, why you always make me in the message? Because you're the only example I got. I'm just, I mean... <laughs> But I feel some kind of way down on that big campus and stuff. You know, it was just, just, but I got to trust God. I can't, I can't, I can't put her in my box. Can't put her in my prison. I got to let her go, but I got to trust God. I got to let her go, but I got to tell him to hang on. <laughs> but I got promises where Abraham fought, where God fought for Abraham's seed. He protected. He protected. Yes, he did. So that's what I'm standing for, too. Number three, Abraham prayed like his prayers reached beyond his personal needs, geographic location, and his current generation. I want you to extend it not just to the children that you see right now. I want you to pray now prayers that will be here after you're already gone and in heaven. I want you to pray as if your prayers go across time, that they, that they can span. Don't just get stuck praying for the bill that you got right now. I want you to extend your prayer horizon. God, you're going to fix this. So I'm praying for stuff beyond that. I'm assuming you got that one handled. I'm praying for my children's children. I'm going to come pray sometimes before Ruby leaves me. We be there on the campus. Get out the car. I'm going to lay my hands on you. Raise your hands up. Yep, in front of your friends, raise your hands up. Listen, I'm working on something. I don't know what knucklehead is on this campus. So I'm going to lay my hands on her and bless. And I'm trusting God that when I can't be there, he's there. Right? Genesis 15, 13 through 16. This is, this is my last scripture, and then we can stand. Then he said to Abram, know certainly, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So he said, God, he was praying, and God began to talk to him about the future. 
in your prayer time, ask God to open up the future and then call to that thing that he opens up to you. Come on, let's stand. Was this good? I want you to think about your prayer life that way. Fathers, I'm challenging you to step it up. However much you pray now, I'm asking you to do more. Church family, I'm asking you to pray for the men in your in your circle. Believe God for them. Not just the ones who already have children. Look at these young men around here. Because in a generation or so, they will be the fathers. Ask God to move on them. Ask God to help you make destiny deposits in them that will be reaped in their grandchildren. Their grandchildren, not your grandchildren, their grandchildren. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Ask God to bless you. Some of you have fathers and they haven't been the greatest. But I'm asking you to trust, trust God. The ones that are still alive, pray for them. Pray for them to get their acts together. Ask God to move on. Even if they're getting up in years, don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop enduring. Trust that God's going to move. Some of you have to forgive fathers, brothers, significant men who have violated God's standards for fatherhood. Get over it and pray for them anyway. I said, David, that sounds very uh, dismissive. No, I'm not dismissing nothing. Unforgiveness is you drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. So I'm asking you just to deal with your issues so you can pray for them. Because they still need God to help them wherever they are. I don't get myself out of unforgiveness. I lock myself into whatever pattern of behavior that they started in my in me. So I have to learn to let it go. Right? Remember, God has an amazing plan for each and every one of you, each and every one of us. He put this plan together before any habit, problem, mistake, or misfortune overtook our lives. So often people want to get their acts together before they come to the Lord. But the reality is we can't get it together on our own. Therefore, we have to come to the Lord. So while all heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and believers are praying, if you'd like to make Jesus Christ your everlasting father, one of the promises, the names that's given to him, the scripture, the prophet Isaiah called him the everlasting father. He wants to father you and birth you into the kingdom of God. It is through this new birth experience that you come to know the blessing of Abraham that's available to you. He makes it available to you. It's part of your inheritance by making him the Lord or ruler of your life. That's you. The way you do that is you believe that Jesus came, that he died and took the penalty for every misdeed of your life. That's called sin. That he was buried and that he rose again from the third day, seated at the right hand of God in heaven and ask him to be the Lord, which means to be the ruler of your life. When you do that, that blessing comes on your life.
take some time to unfold it. That's why I say that destiny is in you in a seed form. But it comes nonetheless. It's there. So if that's you, you'd like to make that kind of connection with God today. Would you show me that by raising your hand? Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, my second appeal is this. Maybe you aren't an unbeliever, but you've allowed hurts, hindrances, and habits to get in your way. Things that have disconnected you from God. Or God dealt with you about your own prayer life. Prayer for your fathers, your brothers, your sons, significant male figures in your life. Um, or prayer as a father yourself. If he's dealing with you and you're saying, you're, God, I'm believing you to step it up today. Would you show me that by raising your hand? I see hands going up. You know, that's the thing. You can put your hands down. It's really important, ladies. Um, sometimes we've had bad interactions with the fathers of our children, and therefore we say, well, bump him. I don't know. You, your child needs your dad, their dad. The interactions you have with them does not mean that the child doesn't need a father's figure. So praying for them and working through your own forgiveness issues is very important for the future of the children. All right. Third appeal. Uh, maybe you're a believer, but you're expecting to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is the power that you need to live this new life. God's dealing with you about that and you're believing for that. Can you just show me that by raising your hand? In Jesus name. And then finally, 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 for my visitors, I'd love to be your man of God. I'd love to talk to you and share with you about what membership means in Destiny Generation Church. You know, we believe that God is raised us up to raise up a light of spiritual, social, and economic empowerment that brings transformation to our city and to our region. And that we, through a process of destiny discipleship, destiny development, empower you to make destiny deposits and make a destiny difference in your community. If you want to get information about that, would you show me that and by raising your hand and I'll reach out to you and talk to you after our service is over. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's pray this together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, I pray for the fathers that are in my life, that are coming, and that will come from my generation. That you bless each and every one of them and their prayer life that they walk out their role, their kingdom office as Father. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, I expect and believe that you are filling me with the gift of your Holy Spirit, and I expect to speak with new tongues as your Spirit gives me utterance. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and clap right there. You may be seated. Lady Nedra's coming with our announcements. Thank you for your patience. Hallelujah. Awesome work.